Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk, and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Welcome to Late Lunch this Ash Wednesday. You're very welcome to the show. Hope you enjoyed your pancakes yesterday. Oh, they pigged out on a few of myself, I have to say. And the Martry Mill pancakes, they're lovely. You should give them a go. I did both. The plain that I always do. And I tried the Martry as well with all the ingredients. And they were gorgeous. Anyway, that's long gone now. We're into the season of abstinence and fasting and denial. And we're going to be talking about it actually on the show in a wee while. Because Father Paddy Rush will be with us after two. And we're going to be talking about Lent and the relevance of Lent today. Also on the show, Jim O'Leary, well-known economist. He's written a brilliant book, may I say, about the Civil War. 100 years ago, this very day, on a Nash Wednesday, there was a raid on a business in Robinstown in County Meath. And Jim has written brilliantly about it. And he's going to talk to me on the show later on. The John Denver story continues with a lovely song and more about the man himself and Natalie Kelly. Well, she's just the best. She really is. I've always known it. But she's going to talk to us about kindness on the show before we finish up today. If you want to get in touch with us, don't forget the usual numbers 086 658 you can WhatsApp or text me to the show or 185715958 if you'd like to call in. We ever watching television and belly aching? Well, I was last night, I have to say. And I've mentioned this before. And I was a great fan of Top Gear. I remember going to see the show live when it came to Dublin a few years ago with my son, Jared. And of course, they've moved from the BBC controversy there to Amazon. Don't really watch them now. But move over, move over, lads, because the new kids are in town. Yes, I'm talking about Fred Gordon and Gino's road trip. Gino De Campo, Fred Syriax and Gordon Ramsay. It is brilliant. On each Tuesday night on Virgin, and I have to say, I bellyache laughing last night. They're in California, but uh, they're in America at the moment on this trip. It's simply brilliant, I have to say, and I recommend it to you. Keep it out of it. Next Tuesday, nine o'clock, it's back on again. Wonderful, wonderful TV. On the edge, of course, but you'd never think three, uh, two chefs and a mater d would uh, put together such a wonderful show, but they do, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. And now laugh, you can't beat it at this time. Now, we begin our show today with a man I met on late lunch in the past. And he has a remarkable story. He's well known the length and breadth of Ireland in GAA circles, but especially in his home county, County Meath. I'm delighted to say hello again today to Martin O'Halloran. Hello, Martin. 
Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. You were out stepping it out this morning. God, there's a big difference this week and last, isn't there? Yeah, well, there's no difference in today. I'm out every day of the week walking. But look, today is a beautiful day, a great spring day. So myself and Kieran Flynn, we were out. We did 10,000 steps, about seven kilometres. So not a bad way to start the day. And do you always walk with himself? Uh, I walk with Kieran most days or... Uh, other days I just walk on my own but I never miss a day I, I walk every day um, look it's good for the mental health you know obviously good for uh, all different type of things you know trying to catch fish all of those but look it's better than sitting here in the, at home in the house which is yeah. you know is very very difficult Ah that is true very very true it's great to get out so every day regardless of the weather even when the east wind did cut you to bits last week if it's lashing down it doesn't stop you when did this start when did you start on this walking every day Well I think that the pandemic started it for me really um, you know obviously I've been overweight for a number of years now and you know every day of the week you're thinking oh I'm going to do something about it you know uh, tomorrow or waiting for another day, um, 1st of January or 1st of April or whatever day comes along, uh, like today, to start off again. And the days come and go and nothing happened. So really, uh, last March when the pandemic uh, set in, uh, I didn't really think it was going to last as long as it did. But uh, gradually I started walking, uh, getting up off the seat, going out walking. I couldn't walk 200 yards at a time without having to stop. Um, around Navan, uh, different areas, uh, sit down seats, uh, Dr. Randall's chair here in Watergate Street. I was a regular on it. And, you know, then I'd walk another little bit um, up to a coffee shop or something, have a coffee, walk then. But it was only really in April that I started to really take it seriously. Um, you know, the weather got very good. We did, we did a great uh, end of spring, start of summer last year. And the weather got very, very good. And then um, my poor mother passed away and uh, a lot of things happened around then that really opened up my eyes uh, to things, you know, that I had to get my own life in order. My health had to become a priority and uh, I had to take things into perspective. You know, Mm. I was embarrassed going places. I was embarrassed at the funeral. I didn't have clothes that fitted me properly, you know, uh, the family walked down the street. I had to get a lift down the street. So uh, I was conscious of myself. I know others uh, wouldn't say that or anything like that, but this was an inner thing. I was actually conscious of myself and the way I looked. So I decided that's it. I'm not going back. And I haven't gone back uh, since. So immediately what happened then was I joined up with uh, the Navin Nutrition Club here in Navin with David Monaghan and... Uh, a lot of people in there who were in the same position as myself were extremely helpful for the first coming for during the summer and all all things like that. And uh, you know that that helped. Then you know I was able to walk more and more every day. I was uh, the ramparts here where I live on the ramparts here um, on the Boyne uh, in Navan is an incredible walk, five or six kilometres down along the River Boyne. You know you're meeting people down along there saying hello, people are encouraging you, you know, yes. these things. Then, you know, the, 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 we have the Blackwater Park here in Navan also, another fantastic facility um, for walking and for getting out, meeting, meeting people. People are out of all, all shapes, sizes and ages 
are all out walking and, you know, uh, these people encourage you. And eventually you get into the swing of things. Yeah. You start feeling good about yourself. You start realising uh, there's more to life than just sitting here watching the TV. Uh, you know, there's something else out there. There's another, there's another world. And grab a hold of it, you know, and start feeling good about myself. And, oh. and that's what I'm trying to do. You know? Oh, you're doing it wonderfully, let me say. And, uh, you know, to get going is the hardest part. And you, you, you got the, the move along with circumstances. Sorry to hear about your mother passing. It's a big uh, milestone in any person's life to lose uh, the mum. But can you just tell us a roundabout, you know, what would you have weighed when you started this walking? Well, it's, you don't particularly want to be saying these things on, on radio. It's quite embarrassing, but I was nearly 30 stone, you know, and, uh, like, that is a little bit embarrassing. It didn't get there, um, you know, by coincidence. It got there because of um, I ate too much. I didn't do enough of exercise, uh, and that was really what it was about. Uh, my nutrition was very, very poor, and um, I had a lot of fast food, uh, and things like that. So that had to change. Mm. And have you, you changed, know? you know, in conjunction with the walking, Martin? You mentioned David Monaghan, Navi Nutrition there. Obviously, that's another aspect of this. Your, your diet has completely turned on its head. Well, it has. I, like, I was taking a huge amount of calories in um, every day, so that had to cut down. But, I, you know, I'm not down to, let's say, uh, oh, I'm doing everything by the book. Certainly yes. I'm not. But um, there's an old saying out there, don't bring your enemies home. So uh, what, I, what I mean by that is when you go to the shop, instead of buying a six-pack of crisps, only buy one packet of crisps. Because if I bring them home, I will bring the packet of biscuits home, I will bring the batch loaf home, whatever I bring home, I'll eat. I just don't have that ability. Yeah. Uh, you know, if it's there in front of me, I'll eat it. So the secret for me is not to actually bring those biscuits or those cakes home because the, the consequences will be there. Yes. But look, if it, if it does happen, there are days, I, it's not a perfect situation, there are days, you know, I get fed up sitting here on my own, there's no matches to be played, you know, there's nowhere to go, you know, we can only drink coffee on the street, you know, you'd meet the lads, you know, and it, does, it would do no harm for a nod night house in the town in Damien Clark's pub in, in Navan to meet some of the lads. Yeah. You know, do no harm there, but they're all closed. Yes. So you do get fed up. It's dark at half five. You know, you don't see anyone till the following day. So you have to try and entertain yourself. Mm. Um, you know, there's only so much you can watch on next Netflix, you know. Yeah. And, and all of those I heard you talking about it there um, earlier, you know. Yes, but so you know something, Martin? Can I say this to you? See all you've said there? Mm. That really does sum up life for thousands upon thousands of people, you know, since this thing hit us last March as well. Everybody is going through similar. You just have a particular, you know, issue that you've done, again, I say, wonderfully to address because I want you to tell listeners this now. I know you said you were a little embarrassed to say what you were. How much have you dropped? Well, I've dropped about 50 kilos, which is about seven and a half stone. You know, so... Do you know what, do, do, do you know what that is? You've lost... A person. You know, there are people who don't even get that weight. You know what I mean? You know them yourself. They're slips of, uh, of individuals, men and women. You know, who that would be the weight for, you know, seven and a half to eight stone would be the, the weight for life. You've actually nearly lost 
the equivalent of a person already. It's a, it's an, an enormous achievement. It really is, Martin. It's wonderful. Yeah, and like I don't really want to to focus that much. Yeah, uh, it can be, become a bit of a burden if you're standing on a weighing scale. I know, I know, I know, I know. Or I'm a pound down. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. What I'm trying to do is to to improve my own mental health. Yeah. To improve everything about myself that I'm able to walk around the place. You know, a friend of mine, Jim Muller, used to have to bring me to the shop. Um, you know, bring me here, bring there, and that's an, it's embarrassing to actually say that that. That's how far I actually let myself go. But, you know, the challenge is, you know, every day I get up, you know, despite the positivity, it is a struggle. It is a battle yeah. because I have a pain in my leg one day, I have a pain in my shoulder the next, oh, it's raining, oh, you know, all of those type of things. Uh, you know, any excuse to get away from them because the easiest thing is just to sit on the chair. But but I'm forcing myself, I'm trying to take it one day at a time. So I'm forcing myself to get up and to you know, make the decisions, make the positive decisions. And, you know, mental health is a buzzword nowadays. But for me, it is very much about improving my mental health. And, you know, I'm at an age now where I have to be looking after myself Mm. and, you know, and look towards the future, you know. Yeah, but without even... Look, I hear what you're saying, and you can become absolutely, totally focused on the scales, and you're not, and that's really good to hear. But look at... I'm sure you notice it in terms, you're saying it there yourself, your mobility, your ability to do things, the way you've upped your walking to those distances. You must see it as well in your clothes. That is brilliant. Uh, All the clothes I had last year don't fit me anymore, thank God. So I've had to buy uh, a new wardrobe. Um, I, you know, I, that's good. I, over the years, I've accumulated GEA uh, gear that I would have got and they would have all been out from the bottom of the wardrobe, wet gear and things like that. So they're all out now. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing all of those, um, you know, again and that. But there's absolutely no doubt, you know, um, the amount of people that have come up to me and, and have said, well done and encouraged me. And there are other people who've said, you know, fair juice to you. I'm back. I walk on myself. I'm out trying to make an effort and things like that. And that's all encouraging as well. But, you know, after a while, people stop t- hitting me on the back, you know, and that's when the real challenge uh, comes about where, you know, you have to keep it up. You have to make it. You know, I lost weight before, you know, and uh, I lost a significant amount of weight before and then gave it up, started thinking everything was good, you know, and then end up back heavier than I was before. So the challenge is to try and, you know, to make the best out of this. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying doing this. I actually enjoy walking. I enjoy meeting people out on the streets. Like if you said to me a year ago, you know, you'd be drinking coffee on the streets and having you know, either in an apple green or somewhere else around the town, you know, uh, out in the rain, you'd say no. But look, this is what's happening. This is it's survival mode at the moment. Yes. Uh, there is a message come to me from uh, the one and only David Monaghan to say, Jerry, it is great to hear Martin uh, on your show this afternoon. He is an inspiration. There's another one there from Lily coming in to us to say, Martin, you're a star. Keep it up. Uh, Liam O'Neill has been on to me there to say, Liam, uh, you know, Liam from Loud GAA, to say he yeah. had a similar experience when he was diagnosed with type 2 uh, diabetes. And uh, he's delighted listening to you on LMFM today. I, I will give Liam a, a shout down the road as well. We'll hear his story too. But look, um, to come back to you, you, you're not watching the scales. You can see it in the clothing. You can see it in what you're able to do now that you couldn't in the past. You know, when you were growing up, Martin, and w- what would have been your ideal weight? 
Oh, it's, I would say when I was a, a young lad up to my mid-twenties, um, I was very active and running around, around the place. I'd say I was a more than, I was actually quite a small boy. Yeah. And I, it was only when I became 14 or 15 that I actually shot up. Um, and then I, I remember back in 1990 weighing myself. We, we said we didn't weigh ourselves, but I, I weighed myself back in 1990. And, and uh, I said, geez, I'm 14 stones, you know. And, you know, at that time I said, God, that's terrible weight. How did you get that? But it can't, you know, so from there onwards, you know, yes. uh, when you start to slow down, when you stop running around the place, mm. and when you, when you do those, when you start working in an office and you're sitting at a desk all day and you're drinking five cups of coffee and two spoonfuls of sugar in each one of those and maybe a bun that goes along with this, you know, I know it's not just me. Them, I know this, uh, the country does that. But eventually, when your metabolism slows down, the whole lot slows down. Yeah. And, you know, um, when when I started putting on the weight, you know, it just it just kept going on and on and on. And I didn't. I said I was going to do something about it, but to actually do something about it is, is a complete different uh, thing. Yes. So when I started doing something this time, you know the challenge is to keep going mm. you know Sarah has been on to me there to say I see Martin out walking every day he's doing a fantastic job keep it up says Sarah you have a massive fan club there you are you're building uh, your uh, support base all the time look you've done marvellous and I wanted to bring you here today to chat to me on this day because Ash Wednesday Martin is a day when certain when some people make, you know, commitments to do things as well, and you're an example of somebody who did last year, do you have a goal? Now, you said to me you don't look at the scales, etc. Where would you like to be, or is that something you ever consider? Yeah, but, but I have an awful lot of goals. You know, for instance, uh, even at the size I am now, I can't go into a shop in Navin and buy any clothes. You know, I have to go to Dublin, you know, I have to go to a specialist shop uh, to, buy, uh, to buy a shirt, to buy a trousers the same as everyone else, you know? Mm. And, uh, like, if you buy them online, unless, you know, when you're a certain size, unless, you, you know, they may not fit you or they may this, that, and the other. So my goal is to be able to go into the local shops here in Navin, uh, you know, to buy those particular clothes. Yes. Um, I, you know, my goal is to continue doing what I'm already doing, you know? This is only the start of it, you know? I'm hoping that, uh, you know... The, the, later on in the year when, um, you know, when when these restrictions are lifted, you know, that I might get involved with uh, different things uh, that might be going on here in Nava with the Meat Sports Partnership or a few other uh, different things that's going on for people who are over 50, you know, to get up off the couch and, you know, to start walking, uh, do things around Blackwater Park and things like that. So, you know, I have a lot of goals uh, yeah. in life, um, you know, like I don't want to, I, I don't want to be stuck sitting on a chair. Um, you know, for for the the rest of my life. You know. Yes, and and so, you you won't, Martin, with the way you're moving now. This last year, you've shown uh, to lots and lots of people, but more importantly to yourself, you've shown what you can achieve, and you're well on the road. And that is a great 
goal to have that you can go shopping and have an into a shop and buy clothes in that shop that will fit you and that will happen for sure I'm very sure of that and I'm sure the other thing you'd love to do is to be celebrating a, a Delaney Cup or a, a Sam Maguire which are beloved someday as well down the road but that's a chat for another day of course but look Absolutely. there are many people getting in touch with me here congratulating you wishing you well and encouraging you keep it going Martin and please God we'll talk again down the road with more progress to report you're great thank you Thanks very much, Sherry. Take, Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Martin O'Halloran. That is a remarkable story. And it's not easy, I understand, to come and talk about uh, matters that are very personal to you. A candid interview, a candid chat there with Martin this afternoon on the show. If you have anything to say to Martin, I'd love to hear from you. The messages are coming. Keep them coming to us. 086-1800-658. That's 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me. Do you have a story of huge weight loss in your life 1850-715-958 is the phone number back in a moment thank you Sue Ellen well done Martin keep it up you're an inspiration to all of us Jack Kieran, lovely to hear from you Jack this afternoon has been in touch and he wishes Martin all the very best it's a wonderful achievement you are right Jack it is an incredible achievement and thank you for getting in touch to send your good wishes to Martin uh, the spat, yeah, the spat. We listened to Michael Reid this morning. You probably heard it on our news if you've been with us the last while as well. Uh, Peter Fitzpatrick uh, mentioning uh, the League of Ireland and you know the story behind it all. You know that uh, you know they're getting supports. The League of Ireland is getting supports. All sports are being supported at the minute. But Peter was quoted in the Democrat. He's apologised for what he said. Subsequently, he said it was taken out of context. Connor Hyde, the draw, the chairman on with. Uh, with Michael this morning as well. Look at I'm a sportsman and I love all sports. Right, of course, my number one sport would be soccer and my involvement with Drogheda over the years, but I played Gaelic games, loved playing it with the Plunkets and the O'Rahillies, followed loud, covered it in here. God, the heartbreak, that Leinster final, and, you know, I played badminton all over the country, up in Dundalk with Ori, I love the people who I played with up there. And I love sport. I play a bit of golf. I go for it. You know, I'm a sportsman. And I honestly think that sports people, we should be as one as sports people. You know, it's not them and us. We're all in this. It's all sport needs supporting at this time. And, of course, there's fully professional sport, the elite, the semi-professional, and then there's amateur sport. And that's and they are all wonderful in their own way and people give it their utmost in their own way and I'm sure Conor Hoy would tell you his late father Vincent and the Hoy family the money that they have put in to keep Drogheda United alive is incredible over the years and they do it for the love of it and and many other people who've done it over the years to keep Dundalk alive they're they're lucky now they have uh, the American backers but people will tell you for years how difficult it was and it's very difficult for everybody at this time so I just think people need to mind what they say and be united as sports people in asking and requesting support for all sports. That's what it's all about. And I will say this about Peter. I I will say this about him. You know, he's one man I'd go to for help if I was looking for assistance with anything. And he would help you. I I know that about him. He'd help you anywhere in County Louth. He might be from the north of the county, but he's there for everybody in the county. And he's the one TD with a great sporting background. And I know he'd do anything he could to help you. All sports. And I want to say that about him. That is a fact. I know that about him. And I'm sure if Drogheda United or any other League of Ireland club needed help down the road, this wouldn't colour Peter's thinking at all. He'd be there to give you a handout. And I will say that about him. But come on, everybody. You have to mind the words, don't you? Don't tell me about minding the words. I know all about it. 
to be sure. But there you go. Anyway, it'll be uh, chip paper tomorrow, as they say. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. If you're just joining us, welcome to the show. Still to come and coming up shortly, I'll tell you on the show, we're talking about the season of Lent. It starts today with Father Paddy Rush. Are you giving up anything? Are you doing anything for Lent? Does it matter to you? Let me know. Join in the conversation. Father Paddy will be here after 2. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. I don't think Martin O'Halloran realises how many people are with him on this journey. You know, he was saying there about the thumbs up he gets and the well done. I see it here today in studio. Lovely to hear from you, Shane. Shane Castle's on to us there to say that Martin Jerry, he really is an inspiration to so many people across the town and it's fantastic to see him uh, becoming so healthy. Nice to hear from you, Shane, on the show this afternoon. Uh, another one there coming in to me. Jerry, that man is really an inspiration to so many people in County Meath. And uh, your proof, Martin, says the listener, uh, to people who think you can't do it, you can. Well done and well said there as well. Um, Martin has inspired me to get up off my butt and start walking. I still have a few stone to lose, but I'm well on the way. That comes in from another Martin this afternoon. Um, uh, I'm the total opposite, uh, says a listener, Jerry. I've put on three to four stone in the last six months. Now, uh, I was six stone ten pounds, but now my clothes and I'm uh, healthy. Oh, my God. Uh, there you go. So th- I see what that person is saying there. They were underweight. That's a person who was underweight, who's put on some weight and feel much healthier by it now and uh, wearing the clothes well. There you go. That's another angle you don't consider. You know, people who are underweight and need to put on a little as well. There you go. That was like, yeah, a, a six stone and then to come up from that. Very, very important indeed. And uh, uh, Martin O'Halloran, you're a legend. The MEGA are very proud of you. That comes in from Mairead Delaney this afternoon. Mairead, nice to hear from you too. And just to mention again to you folks, uh, this is important at this time, really important to support our local businesses. We need to get behind them because remember, I keep saying it all the time, they employ our family, friends and neighbours. That's where the jobs are and it's been tough this last year. Many of them, are, the doors are closed, but they're online. They have websites, they're open, you can still buy from them. And the ones that are still open for uh, specific reasons, make sure you support them as well. It's important for businesses in Louth and Meath that we keep them going at this tough time until we emerge from the current crisis. So let's all play our parts. Now it is the first day of Lent and it's so appropriate. My next guest joins me. He's a great friend of the show, Father Paddy Rush. Thank you Hello, for joining Jerry. me. Good to, talk to you. <laughs> Good to talk to you too. Well, I'm just looking here. Uh, 44 days from Ash Wednesday till Holy Thursday evening. The season has begun. First off, I want to ask you this. Ashes. What's happened with ashes today? Well, uh, b- before I go into that, Jerry, um, I just want to associate myself very much with the two comments you made there about fitness and health and getting active and all the rest, and also our local businesses. Mm. I just think that that's so important. So well done on all of that. Um, yes, Ashes, um, well, look, I mean, the, w- we've been struggling with that in the church uh, in the last number of weeks leading up to this. We've been taking direction from uh, the diocesan authorities as well. And I suppose they're coming down on the on the angle of with the stay at home message that's that's out in the uh, in the government from the coming out from the government and the public health authorities at the moment, you know, to focus on home. That's that's really where the focus for us was this year. 
that Ash Wednesday was going to be different anyway. It was going to be different yes. because of the pandemic. If you remember this time last year, we, we weren't just in the pandemic situation with restrictions and so on, just at this stage last year. Um, but we were we were uh, restricted for Easter last year and looks like we'll probably be restricted again for Easter this year. So the diocesan authorities put together a little package of resources and encouraging people to, to kind of gather at home as a family and uh, do a little uh, prayer activity in their own house around the kitchen table with a candle and uh, a Bible and to, to, you know, make some little promises for Lent, whatever they're going to do uh, as a family, and maybe to make a little emblem, maybe like a, a, a ribbon in the shape of a, of a bow or a cross made out of little, a little cardboard cross that you would pin to your lapel as a sign for mm. uh, Lent this year. Now, I know not all, all uh, clergy or churches have gone that way, uh, but uh, that's that's a diocesan recommendation. Indeed, that's what we did in our parish in Monster Boys. I discussed it with our parish council, and we all felt the same. We all felt that, uh, you know, to try and keep the spirit of the regulations. And Because if ashes went home, Jerry, you know, we could just imagine, you know, somebody somebody up the road gets ashes, you know, and the, maybe the neighbour hears it. Sure, there might be, sure, you drop down a bit to us. Yes. You know, yes. Or drop, drop in to us and give us the ashes as well. And, you, you know, you don't want. You just want to avoid putting people into that. Situation, I understand. I think. Yeah, I that's think. A, that's that's nice suggestion as well. With a ribbon or with a little bit of cardboard to make the cross and just gather around the table and mark this very day. You know, I, I know you're a man of the cloth. Your 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 church is so important. Do you, do you believe that Lent is still a major? you know, uh, factor for, uh, you know, certainly for committed Christians, but perhaps others as well. Do you think it's a time of the year that people still take stock? Oh, I would like to think so. I mean, I, I think taking stock is important all through the year, but certainly I think this this is a, a very particularly Christian. This is the high point. Unlike, I suppose, this is where maybe there's a difference between the secular world and the, the religious world. We tend to come together for Christmas because we put a lot of effort into into our Christmas celebrations. But uh, apart from the Easter eggs, you know, it, Easter really is a Christian feast. Uh, and it is that, that uh, you know, the focus on the crucifixion, death and resurrection of Jesus. And then Lent is that opportunity to, you know, deepen our commitment to prayer or charity in particular, thinking of Trokra, and Trokra is very synonymous with Easter and Lent, um, or fasting or self-denial. And maybe that comes into what you were talking about earlier there, about fitness and so on. You know, we are looking to, always looking for ways to improve our health and our fitness. And sometimes self-denial is the is the way, you know, we would all like that bar of chocolate or that lovely cake. But uh, if we take it, there are repercussions if we say no, and um, hopefully we are a little bit healthier, a little bit better. I've just uh, some messages naturally coming to me today. Yes, people yeah. are still observing the season. I, I will tell you that. There's one from Tricia who says, Jerry, I began Lent last Saturday, a little early. I've given up all sweets and crisps, wow. so I'm on my fifth day and I'm doing well. Yes, I am <laughs> hungry, says Trish. I am missing it, says Tricia. But yeah. I'm I'm eating lots of fruit, apples, bananas good. and oranges to uh, supplement, you know. So that's good to hear. And well done to you. And I hope, Absolutely. You, you know, you keep it going uh, for for the duration. Um, denial and fasting, it, it's always been a huge part of faith, Paddy. 
It has, of course, Jerry. You know, from the earliest Christian times, whenever there were communities, uh, you know, that maybe in the I'm thinking of the biblical times lived in you know desert places and so on, and they lived a very austere life. Um, and I suppose people, there's always been that struggle in the human condition of trying to achieve some deeper sense of of God or faith through that uh, bodily experience of of fasting and so on and so forth. Now, I think balance is important. I think, you know, I'm a great man, a believer in, in a li- you know, a little bit of everything isn't too bad. So, yeah. you know, I, 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 I've been saying to people, you know, a lot of people are under pressure at the moment. The last thing you might want to do is to give up something. We've already given up so much uh, in these last months and in this last year. So, maybe your focus would be on taking on something. And I'm a great believer in that too, you know, that maybe there's something we could do, maybe a little extra prayer, a little time for reflection, a little time just of silence. Very often, I know that I love being able to switch off the phone or have a quiet time in the house, you know. And I know that's not always possible for everybody. I, I know families are, and these are busy times with school, homeschooling and all of that. So, there's a myriad of ways, Jerry, to do it, but certainly there's been this from the very beginning. There's this been this sense of in in the church that as a human, the human person needs to maybe do a little bit of adjustment all the time um, between what we do or what we don't do, uh, what we indulge in, what we don't indulge in. Uh, you know, in uh, enjoying life, fasting a little bit from things, and we know that fasting is good. Fasting is a is a is a good thing. Uh, for the body too. It's very good. And uh, funny you mentioned silence there. I was watching a programme recently on television about the Benedictine order and how they lived their life basically in silence and it's something else. But silence is golden, as you know the song, uh, going back many years. (laughs) Absolutely. uh, But uh, people would say you wouldn't get a lot of silence with me. But I do have to say I love my quiet time and I have quiet times in the day and you you need it. And all those little suggestions you made are very important. Can I tell you something? Um, Just before we finish up, I'm doing something for Lent. I'm doing something and giving up something. I mentioned it yesterday because I'll tell you, Paddy, there's a young man called Slav Vavro. And I met him three years ago. He was 13 with his mum. And his mum spoke to me on the show yesterday. He's 16 now. And he's on a cancer journey, Paddy. And he's been abroad for two major treatments. And there was a GoFundMe set up. And there was great support for it. But as you can imagine, a lot of money involved in these treatments. And he's undergoing treatment again back here in Ireland. He lives uh, here in the northeast. And uh, they're originally from Slovakia. They came to live here in 2006. So they're part and parcel of of, uh, Ireland at this stage. But Slav has been going through a tough time. So what I'm going to do... For the next, I'm calling it, I just christened it myself here, 40 days and nights, starting today. For the next 40 days, I'm going to walk 40 minutes every day. And that's what I'm taking up. And I'm giving up alcohol. That's the day and night thing. I'm not going to take a drink for the 40 days. And I'm doing it just to highlight Slav's situation. And I'm saying to people, I'm not asking or putting anybody under pressure, but I want people to think of Slav. And if they can at all, if you have something that you can contribute, there is a GoFundMe page called Oxygen for Slav. It's called Oxygen for Slav. And the money that's gone in there, it's all gone nearly at this stage because of the treatments abroad etc pioneering stuff yes. but I yes. don't want to forget him because he's only 16 Paddy and you might remember him in Absolutely. your prayers certainly Jerry I will I hadn't heard about Slav but I, I will certainly and I encourage everybody 
to do that too. And I think what you're doing is, is wonderful because I think if, if, our, if whatever we're doing in terms of Lenten sacrifice or in terms of any sacrifice in our lives, if it doesn't develop ourselves and help us to improve our relationship with God and neighbour, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it, it's not performing its, its uh, intention, I think. So I think what you're doing is you're, you're making something personal for yourself, which will obviously help you in some way. Get, you'll be fitter. Yes. You, you'll be taking that fasting from alcohol for the period of time. But, but you're, you're going to put some, some of those resources into helping Slav. I think that's fantastic. And that's one of the ways in which we can all help, I think, uh, by uh, improving whatever we're going to do, either take on or give up. Please God, it'll help us to develop and deepen our relationship with God and neighbour. And I think that's the key of Lent. Ah, lovely words to finish, Paddy. And look, we will be talking, we'll be talking to you, I'm sure, uh, on the approach to Easter. It's a little bit away, but listen, thank you always for your wonderful words and joining us on the show today, this first day of the Lenten season. Thank you, Jerry, and God bless you and all the listeners. Thank you, Father Paddy Rush there, parish priest of Monaster Boys Antonio. And I just mention it again, if you'd like to help at all, I'll be mentioning it over the coming weeks, just to keep it in focus. It's uh, GoFundMe, Oxygen for Slav, if you can do anything. And at the end of this, uh, I will be, uh, of course, I'm saving on the alcohol as well and other things. I am going to contribute to that fund as well come end of uh, the 40 days and nights. Now, we were talking about uh, the uh, decimalisation day and late lunch on Monday. Well, I have a very interesting man coming up on late lunch next. Just to clarify, that person who was on to me earlier, thank you for coming back to me, has put on three quarters of a stone. They were 6'10", they're now 7'10", and they feel really healthy. Thank you indeed for getting in touch with us on the show. Lovely to hear from you on Late Lunch this afternoon. Uh, Jerry. I'm a big fan of Father Rush. Really enlightening chat with him today. Thank you indeed for that message. Jerry. I've just given the grass the first cut. Well, you know, I was looking at mine today on the way out, and I definitely noticed with the mildness the last few days, the grass has given a little spring. But I think I'll wait till the first week of March myself. But fair juice, you nothing like the first cut of the grass and the smell of it. Is there a nicer smell in the world? No, there isn't. Now on Monday, on Late Lunch, we talked a lot about it, and we got a great reaction from you out there about Decimalisation Day. It was 50 years ago last Monday. Well, Sarah Carey, I say hello to Sarah if she happens to be listening today. She's a wonderful columnist with the Irish Independent. She's there every Saturday. I was reading her last Saturday and she mentioned something in her wonderful piece that I've honed in on because the man she mentioned is on the line with me now. His name is John Highland. Hello, John. Hi, how's it going? Ah, very good. Thank you for uh, joining us from uh, Belgium this afternoon. You were the man behind at Animals on Coins and the basic thrust of this is you are calling for Irish coins to have the animals restored to them, that we can see them again. Just for our listeners, when did they disappear? So, yeah, the animals disappeared off the coins when we uh, when we changed the euro and every country was able to decide what to put on the national side of the coin. So the face side of the coin has the, the map of Europe and then countries put whatever they want on the other side. For some reason, we put the harp on all the coins whereas other countries, they put um, a variety of different things on the back of their coins. So in 2002, when the euro coins finally arrived, we lost the animals and we got only the harp on everything. So we're boring. Is that what you're saying to me, John, today? I mean, I love the harp, but I think that uh, to put it on everything puts us in the same uh, <laughs> rank as 
as the countries with the with their king or queen's head on it. And if you look at Italy, for example, they've loads of their beautiful works of art that they're so famous for. I think it's a real shame that we don't have uh, representation of our, our fantastic wildlife and, and agriculture. So Italy tap into their art and we just go the handy route with the harp. Now tell me this, this is uh, what I want to know. Obviously we're part of the euro, it is a euro-wide currency. Have nations the scope to decide what goes on the reverse of their coins? Well, the, the reverse of the coins change slightly every year anyway with the date. Yeah. And um, and like I mentioned, the uh, the countries with their king or queen on it, I mean, when kings and queens change, they have to change the back of the coin. So of this course. can be done. Belgium, Belgium did it when uh, their, their last king abdicated and they have his son, who has a very similar face, but uh, they have their son on the coin now. So... Uh, the scope is there. I, I think the central bank would just have to ask the European Central Bank to change it. Mm. There's a wonderful feature, and I had a listener in touch with me yesterday. Actually, we were missing me. I didn't mention it on the show yesterday. I will now. Uh, subsequent to Monday's conversation about decimalisation, they were just saying to me that the Ireland's Own magazine has a wonderful feature, the current edition on decimalisation. And all the coins are there, uh, pictures of them, the ones in the punt era, and even before that, pounds, shillings and pence. I was just looking back at them, and we were talking about them on Monday, when you think of what was on the predecessor to the Euro coins, the punt had a deer, correct me if I'm wrong, what was on the 50p? Is that a curlew or what bird is it? It's a woodcock, I think. Oh, it's a woodcock, it's you're right, you're actually right. I and, uh, There you go, I, I think I know my wildlife. It is a woodcock that's on the 50p, a horse on the 20, a salmon on the 10, a bull on the 5. What was on the penny and two pennies? Were they funny shaped things? They were, um, I think they were both birds, but they were like artists' impressions of yes. um, kind of Book of Kells copy uh, yeah. type of thing. I don't think they were actually taken from Book of Kells. They were done by modern artists, but in that style. Yeah. Um, which were also nice, but I, I think the, there's something really beautiful about the um, the actual animals themselves. And you mentioned even older coins. Yeah. I just I can't think who, who, looks, at, who looks at coins with, with animals and baby animals on them as well. We have the... The, the hen with her chicks and, and the sow with the piglets. Yep. Who gets rid of baby animals off coins? They were fantastic. Yeah. And the, the, coins, the coins, when they were first brought in, um, as mentioned in, in Sarah's article in The Independent, uh, they were brought in by a commission uh, that uh, Yates was, was the head of. Mm. And the specific reason of putting the animals on was that it was to bring joy to people. Yeah. Uh, he himself said that, like... Uh, that he thought that children and artists would be the ones who would really study the coins the most, and and the idea that they would they would be delighted by by these fantastic animals on the coins mm. is just a really nice idea. I think the old penny, wasn't it, with the chicken on it and the chicks was just beautiful. There was something special. And as you said, the pig and the piglets, you had the hare, there was greyhound on the old coins as well. There was such a, a range of animals that would be synonymous with this country as well. You know, I, I think you have a point here. What, what's been the reaction? You know, Sarah highlighted it and we're chatting about it uh, today. What's been the feedback? What are you, what are you feeling? Um, I think that people do miss them and I think people will be happy to see them again. And we'll be happy to have them like represent us across Europe, you know. Um, so I've actually started a petition now uh, to to try and you know put some of that energy together to ask the central bank to to you know to consider this to, to put them back. Good man. Uh, so if you could share the petition, that'd be great. Okay, just tell listeners today how do they access it? We will share it after. I'll get that organised for you, and we'll share yeah. it here on the radio station. Where can they go to support it? It's on. 
It's on change.org. If they search for put the animals back on the Irish Euro coins, not a very imaginative title, but there you go. Uh, they'll find it. And so we're addressing it to the uh, to the central bank because if we understand correctly, they're the ones who they can make the decision. Okay, right. I have you there. So look, we have that, and and we'll spread yeah. spread the word there. I suppose the other question that people are thinking, Jerry, what are you talking about? And I'm guilty of this myself. I can't remember the last time since the pandemic came in that I've actually handled notes or, or never mind coins. You know what I'm talking about. But uh, this tap thing, everyone's tipping and tapping now with their cards. Will there be a place for notes and coins in the future? What's your view on that? Uh, they will come back, I think. I I mean, I know it seems strange mm-hmm. now, but, you know, nor- normalcy will come back. And I think we'd be happier to have animals on our change when we get it. Yeah, I think I think you have a real point. You know what I mean, and and of course there'll always be a cash economy. You know that yourself, sure. Especially here in Ireland, well, well the tricksters wouldn't allow it all go card, would they? Really, to be honest with you, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, there'll always be cash, and there'll always be machines that I actually get my eggs from a machine, and it's a vending machine. I'm wrong. I do need coins, and I have been using coins for the egg machine, but that's really the only thing. Look, uh, you brought joy uh, to me when I went back and did some research after I saw the article, and you were mentioning it as well, and. I'm with you all the way on this. I would love to see the animals back on the Irish Euro coins. I think it would be simply wonderful. Anyway, reminding listeners again, change.org, put the animals back on Irish coins. If you want to join the uh, petition there and uh, put your weight behind it, you'd be very welcome to do so. Thank you for joining me. Lovely to chat with you today, John. Thanks very much, Jerry. Hopefully you can put some hens in an egg machine at some stage and get your eggs that way. <laughs> you are on the ball, Boyo. You're spot on there. Hopefully I will be able to do that. Thank you for joining me. Wish you well. Take care now. Bye-bye. That's John Bye. Highland there. Bye. Uh, joining me from Belgium this afternoon. He's an Irish lad working over there. Isn't that a good one? Yeah, chickens on the coins and into Revolut. What's Revolut? I don't know what Revolut is. Eamon says I need to find out about Revolut. I must find out about Revolut. Anyway, God bless them in the old days. What would they do? Tapping cards? Are you joking me? Pounds, shillings and pence. Yes, coins. Notes in the pocket. It's the wheeler and dealers. I don't think they'd ever like to go away from it. What do you think? Should we uh, have the animals back on the coins? Have you an opinion? I always welcome your opinion. Message me on the show. Join in the conversation. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me or you can call in on 1850-715-958. Now... For all you into your history, you've got to listen to my next guest. His name is Jim O'Leary. He's a famous economist, uh, lives in County Meath, uh, but he's written about uh, a major incident during the War of Independence a 100 years ago on Ash Wednesday, this very day that happened in Robinstown. Robinstown is just outside Trim in County Meath. It's a fascinating story. We have it next. Theresa's been in touch to say, Jerry, I was watching Gino Gordon and Fred last night. My God, it was simply brilliant. So funny. Keep up the good work. Loving the show. Nice to hear from you this afternoon, Theresa. Thanks for getting in touch. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text is the contact number for late lunch this afternoon. Welcome if you're just joining us on LMFM Radio's Late Lunch. You're very welcome to the show. Now, we move on this afternoon and I'm joined by a man who would be known as probably one of our most famous economists, uh, but he's many more strings to his bow. And he's written 
the most brilliant book, may I say, called The Robinstown Affair. Now, you do know on Late Lunch each month for this year, historian Sean Collins is joining us to talk about the events of the year. But Jim has written specifically about something that happened in the village of Robinstown exactly 100 years ago on Ash Wednesday. And he's with me on the line. Hello, Jim. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for joining me on the show. So, look, let's get straight to this. Take us back to that day, Ash Wednesday, the 9th of February, 1921, and an incident involving the Chandler family. Who were the Chandlers? What did they do? Well, the Chandlers were grocers and publicans and farmers, and they lived in Robinstown. Uh, They were prosperous, prosperous people. Uh, They were Church of Ireland people. They had. Uh, they weren't long established in Robinstown. They had arrived there maybe 60 years before, in the 1860s. Prior to that, uh, the Chandlers had lived in Rathcore, which is in southwest Meath. Mm. But they were um, well integrated into the local community. Uh, they were involved in what I suppose people might call country pursuits, in the hunt, the local hunt, point-to-point uh, horse racing. Cricket was, a, was a, a pastime that they were very much involved in as well. And in fact, Dick Chandler, the guy who's at the centre of the story of the Robinstown raids, he actually played Gaelic football for Robinstown. Really? So a well-integrated family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You you say something there, they were Church of Ireland. Would that suggest they had unionist linkings or leanings? Well, that is the common assumption, Jerry. And, you know, we we like our history in black and white. Uh, And I think for that reason, there is this simplistic thinking that because people were Protestant, they were also unionist. And certainly most historians who've looked back at this event Uh, make that assumption, but I'm not sure that the assumption actually holds up. Uh, I'm not sure what their politics were. There is some evidence to suggest that they may have had nationalist sympathies, or at least some members of the family had nationalist sympathies. Like um, Francis Chandler's brother, Bob Parsons, he is known to have made several contributions to the Irish uh, Parliamentary Party, financial contributions. Dick Chandler's grandfather was a man who apparently relished telling stories about the heroism of the Young Irelanders back in the middle of the 19th century. So their politics... It's not clear yeah. that they were unionist. Okay. And and I think there was some members of the family who may have had national sympathies. And there's one other thing I should mention in this regard, which is that one of the girls, one of the Chandler girls, Mabel, in 1914 or 1915, she actually married a Catholic. She married into the Loughran family of Shambo. And the Loughran family in the War of Independence became very active Republicans. Okay. Uh, so Interesting. Mm. Yes, very interesting. Interesting indeed. So look, for listeners, to the, let's cut to the chase. What happened on the day? What happened on the day was uh, a convoy of 11 military vehicles converged on the village of Robinstown. And it was clear that they were targeting Chandlers. They had some suspicion that they might find ammunition or arms in Chandler's, right? So they converged on the place. 
Uh, the auxiliaries, about 30 of them, this is the auxiliary division of the RIC, yep. about 30 of them entered the house and they did a fair amount of destruction. They abused the family. Uh, they stole a lot of stuff and they got drunk and abusive and so on and so forth. And the other thing is that they came back later on. I mean, the initial raid was at lunchtime, but they came back at 10 o'clock that night then and effectively uh, resumed where they had left off earlier and had a drunken party in the place uh, and terrified uh, the family. And the repercussions of this were severe for these guys because a General Crozier, who you wrote, ab- who you write about brilliantly in the book, uh, five were identified as ringleaders and arrested uh, to be court-martialed. Twenty-six uh, were dismissed. So this was a quite a severe action by that gentleman, but it had huge ramifications locally, nationally, and across in the House of Commons. Yes, it did because uh, Crozier's attempt to dismiss the 26 that you've just mentioned, that attempt was countermanded by his superior, his commanding officer, uh, Hugh Tudor, who was the chief of police. Crozier's position was he was commander of the auxiliaries throughout Ireland, right? And he took, as you say, quite, uh, quite a strong stance on this. I think he was drawing a line in the sand here. I think he had had enough of disciplinary problems within the auxiliaries. And in fact, relative to the previous record of disciplinary action taken against the force, this action taken by Crozier on this occasion was actually disproportionate. It was disproportionately severe. When you think of the atrocities that this force not the company now that was based in Trim, but the, 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 the auxiliary division generally, when you think of some of the atrocities they were responsible for, that were virtually went unpunished. This was very severe. And uh, there was pushback from his commanding officer. He was countermanded. And with that, Crozier resigned. He resigned on the 19th of February, which is two days hence uh, in, in, in terms of 100 years ago. And... With that, the uh, affair was catapulted onto the uh, the national stage, the international stage. Indeed, it became a political cause celebre. It, it, it commanded a lot of uh, space in newspapers over the following two to three weeks. It became the subject of debate uh, and heated exchanges in the House of Commons. And indeed, at one stage, people were speculating that it might have the effect of bringing down uh, what was quite a fragile British government. Mm. So it was that significant, and you do write about this and speculate that it may as well, taking that a little bit further, the government might have collapsed. But the other thing, uh, and you write about this, is to say that could it have been that significant that in paving the way for the truce or the ultimate settlement, could it be uh, viewed in that context? Well, some commentators, some historians would go that far. Right. I, I wouldn't. Okay. I think that would be to exaggerate its yes. significance. I okay. mean, there is no doubt that there was a period in the spring of 1921, a period of weeks perhaps, when this story uh, did make a material difference to um, uh, the, the whole atmosphere yes. around the war of independence. Yes. But 
I think to give it the status that your question suggests would be to exaggerate it. There was there was there was, there was bigger plays going on. Ah, of course, yeah, there know. were there were indeed. Now the Chandlers. This is the the question. Oh, uh, what happened subsequently to the family and the business? Uh, the business the business was sold. Um, the pub was sold about a year later, right? It was sold to a, a guy called Finnegan from Screen. Um, the the farms, some of the farmland had to be sold as well as part of the settlement of Dick Chandler's father's estate. He had died about 20 years previously. And uh, his wife, Dick, young Dick's mother, uh, had not done anything about administering the estate. And come 1922, young Dick Chandler was 27, 28 years of age, and he decided he wanted his share of the family assets. And he actually took his mother to court. Um, and there was, uh, you know, legal proceedings went on for a couple of years, and uh, eventually it was it was settled. So, you know... You might imagine that having gone through the stress yes. of the raids and their aftermath and all the rest of it, that family life might have settled down, settled back into its previous, you know, tenor. But no, as I say, there was uh, difficulties, legal difficulties subsequently that had to be resolved. Mm. The name Chandler, I've heard of it. Uh, there's Chandlers in Ireland today. Are they related to these people? Well, there, there are Chandlers in um, the Ahar Summer Hill area mm. who are distantly related. Okay. Uh, and by distantly related, I mean you'd probably you're probably talking about fifth or sixth cousins. Right. Right. But the Chandlers of Robinstown uh, don't have direct descendants with the name Chandler. Okay. There was only one of uh, Francis Chandler's children who subsequently married, and that was one of the girls in the family. Right. Right. Dick Chandler, the guy who was at the centre of the raids and who was arrested uh, during the raids in, in 1921, he didn't marry. Mm. And he was one, he was the only surviving son of the house. The other two uh, sons died. In their ni- in the, before they reached their twenties or oh, in their twenties, yeah, mortality young at the time. Um, yes, just in a general sense, we, you know, we always hear about the tans and how the black and tans were absolutely reviled and hated. The auxiliaries were they worse? Uh, some people would say they were. Um, the auxiliaries were, you see, the difference between the black and tans and the auxiliaries, the most important difference was this, that the auxiliaries were effectively a law unto themselves, right? The auxiliaries were a separately constituted division of the RIC. Mm. They had their own command structure, right? And they fell between two stools because for operational purposes, they were under the command of the, of the army. Uh, for administrative purposes, they were under the command or control of the RIC. So they were, they had systematic discipline problems from the outset. Yeah. The Black and Tans, on the other hand, although without a doubt they committed their fair share of atrocities, 
they were actually a fu- fully integrated members of the RIC, right? They didn't have a separate uh, command structure, mm. uh, whereas the auxiliaries did. Yes, yes. Oh, you know, I'm sure uh, there are many a story told, awful story about the atrocities and, and what they did. Can I say this to you? You've done a brilliant job with the book. You really have. Um, it's it's a great well, work, and it's me. called the Robinstown Affair. Is it is it available? How can people get hold of the book? Well, that's a very good question. Yeah, Jay, I know, I know. Mm. COVID and and, yes. and its works uh, have constrained me in 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 my distribution of it. The the one look, uh, it's probably the most um, succinct advice I can give to anybody who's looking for a copy is to Google the Robinstown affair, and you'll be directed either to a Facebook page that I have set up to promote the book, uh, which will give a list of the retail outlets in which it's available, or you'll be directed to one of the bookshops in particular, which does an online uh, an online business yes. in, in, in book selling. So um, hopefully, as, <laughs> as, as the COVID restrictions are relaxed, I'll be able to push it out there. Of course. But for the time being, the only shops in which it's available are shops that are within... Uh, you know, just a few uh, a few miles of where I live in Clemens. I know that. And uh, I'm sure Antonia, Antonia is in Trim is stocking it. She is indeed. Yes, and that's a very good point of reference for people. And she's a wonderful online presence as well. So if you're looking for it, Antonia is in Trim, check it out there. Or as uh, Jim said to me there, the Robinstown Affair, Google it and it'll bring you to the Facebook or whatever. Again, I say to you, great piece of work. Really great. Thoroughly enjoyed it myself, I have to say. And best best wishes with it, Jim. And thank you for joining us and giving us a, a feel for it on the show today. Well, thank you very much, Jerry, for your very generous words and the opportunity to talk to you. Take care, Jim. We'll talk again. Take care, Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Jim O'Leary there, and the book is called The Robinstown Affair. Fantastic, isn't he? Lewis Capaldi. Glaswegian, 24 years of age. Such a voice. What a talent. Brilliant, brilliant man. So much more to come from that guy in the future. Watch this space. Now, reminding you that this Saturday we have live commentary on four Premier League league matches on the LMFM app or by clicking on the Listen tab on the LMFM website. We have Southampton Chelsea at half past 12. And then the big one is the Merseyside Derby between Liverpool and Everton later that evening, this Saturday evening at 5.30. Uh, remember, you can also get closer to the action with Premier League Live with Now TV. Only pay for the games that matter to you, your sport, on your terms with Now TV. Big Saturday of soccer. Four games. Liverpool, Everton, good win for Poole last night in the Champions League against Leipzig. They played well. Nice bit of form. Uh, should go through there. Been up in the first leg. And Everton got the poor result the other night against Fulham, hadn't they? Uh, but a big game always. The Merseyside Derby. Bragging rights up for grabs there. Now, uh, Drogheda District Anglers, uh, they have an adult uh, membership raffle going on. It's an annual one at the moment. And the draw is taking place on the 26th of every Friday week. And if uh, members of tickets uh, get them to uh, Secretary uh, John Murphy or any committee member before the 26th, best on Thursday the 25th. You could win a membership there of the club this year. Now, what else was I to say to you? 
Yeah, um, giving up things for Lent. Have you given up anything already? Yes, there's somebody else on to me. No name on it. Like yourself, Jerry. I've given the hooch, the boot for the next 40 odd days. Well done to you. It's a thing my dad used to always do every Lent. He'd never take a drink for Lent. And he loved, oh, he loved, he loved his Guinness. He really did love it. But he'd give it up every year. Never a drop. I think he did break on Patrick's Day. Remember we were mentioning that, yeah, taking the break on Patrick's Day uh, for that particular day and then next day nothing for the remainder uh, of the season. But well done to you if you're giving up or taking up anything uh, for the Lenten season. Um, it's a good, really good thing to do. Anyway, my walking shoes ready uh, for this evening. Out for the first 40 minute walk today looking forward to it to get going again I do exercise but I haven't been doing it enough and this will discipline me now to do it for the next 40 days 40 days and nights I'm undertaking my own little campaign for the next 40 days for Slav Vavro and I'll be reminding you about that over the course of the next six weeks here on the show still to come on late lunch this afternoon yes John Denver is my artist of the week I have a lovely song from Denver to play for you today and you'll recognise it a really Real, real classic from the man himself and more about his life story as well. And we're also talking to Natalie Kelly. You will remember Natalie, Wheels for John. It was a story we did a few years ago. She came in here to studio and we made an appeal and it went really well uh, for a young boy who needed uh, assistance at the time. Well, Natalie is just a real good sort and she's doing something and involved in something now that is absolutely fantastic. It's a lovely story to hear on this day. I guarantee you it'll absolutely inspire you. It's one of the real good ones And uh, Natalie's coming to us on the show uh, after three o'clock this afternoon. And what else have I to say to you? There's somebody else onto me as well there uh, about the grass. The first, there's somebody else cut the grass today. You're joking me. You know the first message I got there? That's my good friend Patricia Healy. Oh, she's better known as Patricia Kelly, to be honest with you. Patricia cut her grass. And there's another one in to say, we've also cut our lawn for the first time today, Jerry. You know, Patricia loves the grass. It's like Wimbledon out her way. The stripes on it. She has it perfect every month of the year, no matter what the weather is. Ah, it's lovely. You can't beat it. I will say that to you, Patricia. Lovely, tight-cut lawn with the stripes on it. It's absolutely beautiful. And it's something I admire and love to achieve myself. And as I said to you, coming out today, I did notice the little bit of growth. The little bit of growth is just there, wouldn't you? It's hard to believe, isn't it? After a freezing 10 days, little bit of mildness and softness in the weather and things start to take off. Can't wait to see me first little spuds. We put in 15 spuds in 15 pots at the start of the month and they should be peeping soon. That book, uh, The Robinstown Affair, it's, uh, it's, it's so good. Uh, Jim O'Leary speaking to me just a little while ago there on the show. Uh, Antoniasbookstore.com. It's open online there and she has the book. Antoniasbookstore.com. Listener on to say, your automatic assumption that every Church of Ireland person was a unionist shows a lack of knowledge of history and an attitude bordering on racism and bigotry. Does it really? Well, I'll tell you, you may not have taken me up or heard what I said properly. You see, in the book, Jim mentions that several, and I quote from the book, several aspects of the story fascinated me. One was the fact that the Chandlers were Protestant, and on that account, I assumed Unionist. Why then were their premises raided? Those are the words in the book that I picked up on with Jim and put it to him. Of course it wasn't the case that every 
uh, person of a, a Protestant or Church of Ireland denomination uh, was unionist, and I accept that fully. But uh, it was just part of the conversation we had and picking up on one uh, point in the book. Thank you indeed for your comment. Jerry. let's give up gossip for Lent but only of the malicious kind, says Anne uh, this afternoon. Thank you indeed, Anne, for getting in touch with us on the show. Now, my artist of the week uh, this week is John Denver. And continuing his story, during the 70s, uh, Denver became politically active, writing the song Calypso uh, as a tribute to environmentalist Jacques Cousteau. Do you remember him and his ship? He railed against world hunger, supported the homeless, assisted in the fight against AIDS. He was deeply concerned for the future of the planet. My God, he was a visionary, wasn't he, when you think of what we're facing today. And he wrote songs about nature and the natural world. The Chernobyl nuclear disaster brought another of his uh, causes to the fore, his opposition to all things nuclear, especially nuclear arms. After his halcyon days of the 70s, hits were rare. He more used his fame, success and wealth to help others and those causes. John Denver was a remarkable humanitarian. He loved home, which was beautiful Aspen in Colorado. And I'm sure this went through his mind any time he was away. There's a storm. John Denver, my artist of the week on Late Lunch this week. I just love that song. It gives me a real happy, warm feeling. And I dedicate it to all listening outside of Ireland today and we have a lot of listeners on the web and on the app now abroad we're thinking of you today if you didn't make it home in recent weeks to celebrate with your families please God you will later on this year yes it's the John Denver story continuing tomorrow with me here on Late Lunch. Uh, best wishes to Jim O'Leary with his new book from Larry Clark. Thank you, Larry. Nice to hear from you this afternoon. It's a fine book, I have to say. And a message in there. Grass cutters, Jerry. you're joking me. They must be all townies. Lawnmowers shouldn't come out until St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Thank you indeed for that message. Next up on Late Lunch, it's the wonderful Natalie Kelly. One of the kindest, most giving, loveliest people you'll ever meet in your lifetime is on the line. Natalie Kelly, hello again. Hi, Jerry. How's it going? <laughs> Very good. Great to have you with us on the show. Did, did you set up the Drogheda Dolls? Yes. That is you. Just to remind listeners again that she is the founder of Drada Dolls. And we spoke about this before on the show and you were my phone a friend uh, last autumn time and we had a catch up then. But something remarkable has happened. I think these uh, This Is Karma just follows you wherever you go. Christmas time, you had a few bob. Tell me what happened. I had a few bob left over after Christmas and in the last few weeks I... When we got the word that, you know, the lockdown wasn't going to be lifted and we had another few weeks to go, six weeks or seven weeks to go, um, I just found an awful lot of comments on the page and a lot of um, anonymous people were, like, writing in saying that they were very down. And, you know, there was a general kind of, I don't know, feeling on the group that everybody needed a lift of some sort. So I was trying to think one night, what could I do? And, and usually when we do a fundraiser or something, it does lift people's spirits, you know. But I was trying to do something that would give back a little. So I had a little bit of money left over for Christmas. And I was like, right, I'll get put up a post and get um, 15 bouquets as a little act of kindness, kind of, and get people to nominate other people that they felt needed a lift for this lockdown. And I'd get them delivered out to them. Wonderful. What happened, what happened really was, 
So I got 120, 119 nominations altogether. And I was saying, oh, I, everyone I read, I was like, oh my God, you know, each comment was deserving of a bouquet. And I was kind of thinking to myself, right, maybe you could turn this into that other people can help these people as well. So people were kind of texting me at the same time saying, like, I'll take a name or whatever off you because there was so much. And also when I rang a couple of the florists, they were like, I told them what I was doing. They said, um, I'll match your bouquet or I'll give you 10 extra or whatever. Yeah. So I started doing this then. Kindness Week is what I had called it. Strata Dog Kindness Week. And it was that if you received a, a gift that you pay it forward so that we could tr- try and spread the love, obviously, you know, mm. within the town. Um, so that 15 bouquets turned into 201, actually, <laughs> um, completed <laughs> nominations that I received and either uh, completed it by buying the flowers myself for the person or the florist or the local baker who, you know, yes. gave stuff to me as the, the whole thing progressed. So now... Um, I'd say there's thousands of people that in the town that have received some form of an act of kindness from this because whenever anyone, you know, received one, they pay it forward and then people yeah. would just do them themselves as well. So it was just, it just took off. Then. Oh, it's wonderful. And I wanted to highlight it here today, how it started. You know, great oak trees from little acorns grow. And you had that for you, Bob. 15 was your intention 201 bouquets that went to and then it just rolled on with this pay on thing because it's just taking legs altogether and you see I've heard from some people who've opened their front doors and found surprises left at their doors and it's all to do with this kindness week that you've been promoting but here I hear they um, they sort of caught you on the hop a little birdie tells me did they? Yes. So, like, from the Kindness Week, it's kind of, we, we, we did a Kiddies Kindness Week as well. So, we're actually doing Kindness Month now um, because it has, like, lifted people's spirits so much and it's all through the town. Um, and, yeah, a lot of businesses are sold out and different things with the, you know, with it yeah. because the florists and the local bakers and stuff like that were benefiting from people purchasing stuff to give to people for Kindness Week. But, um, yeah, so there was a bit of hype over that. And then, I usually go out for a little walk on a Tuesday and Thursday with my mother-in-law um, because she had surgery at Christmas and she was asking me to go with her just to keep her going mm. um, to keep the knee active. And um, so, yeah, on Thursday, it was really bad weather. So she was kind of at me for the few days to go for a walk. And on Sunday, then she rang me and she was like, about two hours before it happened, she was like, um, do you want to go for a walk tonight? And I made loads of excuses. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, just not in the mood. And it was Valentine's Day and... I was freezing. Yeah, it was cold and I sit inside the fire. And, but anyway, I felt sorry for her, so I went. And um, yeah, so I got out of the car and was walking down the street and seeing um, four people standing kind of like apart, obviously, with masks and stuff and balloons and, and roses. And that was kind of like, I was like, oh God, what's this about? Um, and then as I got nearer, they handed them to me. And they said, enjoy your walk. And um, I went a couple of steps more and this girl came running down to me with a bouquet of flowers and red balloons. And I always put red hearts on everything on the page because <laughs> I, I always feel that represents like a, a full heart or a true heart, yes. or, you know. And um, yeah, so I walked across West Street with my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law and literally like in the middle of West Street, there was just loads of cars beeping their horns. Everyone had red balloons, red hearts out the window. Oh. 
um, yeah, there was a girl standing there with a big, a big huge poster with uh, a rainbow on it. Like, oh, I just bawled my eyes out. Like, it was just, it was like something you see in a movie. Yes. And yes. you hear about it, but you never actually experience it. <laughs> but I got to experience it. Like, so then I was walking up West Street and they were saying, I said, is there any more? Because I'm going to kill you. Like, and they were saying, no, 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 nothing else. And then again, I got to Lawrence's Gate. There was um, the ambulance from the Order Mata was there and the lights were and loads of people in their cars again. And I had Alison um, from the DI and the photographer and um, they gave me like a kind of a mock-up done of the of the DI paper. Brilliant. Um, just, with, you know, with, just for something or whatever. And then there was more people at Scholars when I walked up that way and Patrick Street. My then, word, I think you've got the freedom of the town, to be honest with you, with all I'm hearing here now. Oh, you will get it in the future. But look at, I, I have to say, well deserved and what a surprise it was. Look, Natalie, I just wanted to give a wee airing today and say to you on behalf of everybody that you've brought kindness to this last while. Thanks so much. You're one of the best. Not at all. It's really like everyone took it into their hearts on the great Ah, you're there are those ladies taking yeah. it on board, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at well deserved and keep doing what you're doing because people like you are so vital to everybody's mood and the way everybody's feeling at this time. God bless you. Thank you for joining me. Take care. Take care. Bye bye. The wonderful Natalie Kelly there. Lovely story to finish the show today. Now, Pat Cooney's with us tomorrow. Emma Murray, the juggle. Suzanne Lynch from America. And Seagulls, if you have a problem, we're talking about that as well. Eddie's next. See you tomorrow, 1 30. Leave you in the company of the man who was the halftime act at Super Bowl. Bye. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.